I was at a local bodybuilding show and six women were treated for dehydration and it was suspected to be due to the use of diuretics. They were all women, all newer competitors. Again, local show, you guys. One was even sent to the hospital. Is bodybuilding about selfies, steroids, magazines, and muscles? How do I become a successful pro bodybuilder or fitness competitor? Where do I even start if I'm new? And the biggest question of all, what are the judges looking for anyway? Even today with the internet, many people first discover bodybuilding by word of mouth. A lack of regulation has caused a boom of unqualified coaches, scattered info, biased advice, dangerous protocols, and posing trends that are a hot mess. After 20 years in the business, I have seen it all. Week after week, I'm gonna talk about taboo topics that get swept under the rug, provide you tips and strategies to gain a competitive edge and stand out on stage in any division or federation. I'm gonna answer all the burning industry questions without the bias. I have competed across six federations, earned pro status in three, and judged in two. I've coached posing and choreography for men and women in all federations and divisions. I know just how much competing means to you. I'm your host, Michelle Welcome, and you are listening to the Everything Else in Bodybuilding podcast. Be sure to download your free guide, Five Things Every Bodybuilder and Fitness Competitor Needs to Know Before Your Next Show at eeinbb.com. That's www.eeinbb.com. What's up, guys, from Las Vegas? Looking at the mileage on the van this morning, it looks like we have driven about 20,000 miles promoting this show around the USA. We will be settled here in Vegas for a few months so we can attend various shows on the West Coast. And this month alone, I will be judging a show for a different federation than the one I judged in New York in September. This will actually be the third federation I have judged for, and all three judging styles and criteria are different, which is pretty cool. I love that there are so many different options to choose from in bodybuilding. I think people hear about only one and don't realize there are many more. In addition to judging here on the West Coast, my husband and I are hosting booths at shows, getting the word out about this podcast, and of course, my posing business as well. It's been a minute since I've been able to launch one of these episodes, but events from this past weekend really sparked the idea for this episode. In fact, I was so affected by the events, I woke up in the middle of the night last night with thoughts and ideas, and I had to jot them down in a note. If I didn't, I knew I wouldn't remember them by morning. I will tell you what happened this weekend. But first, I need to give you some background so you will understand why I'm going to say that I am absolutely frustrated with bodybuilding. You might recall when I started competing 20 years ago, I competed in the bodybuilding division. The only other people I knew that competed were my friend Shelly, who was the one who inspired me to compete in the first place, coach John Yopst, and my friend Anne, who I met at John's personal training facility that Shelly went to. That was it. Bodybuilding was exclusive because it was hard. Not everyone could do what we do to compete. You have to have massive patience, massive work ethic, and you would never hear someone say that their goal is a pro card their first season. Why? Because bodybuilding required muscle, and muscle takes time and patience to build. Bodybuilding was not an everyone-gets-a-trophy sport, and it was reserved for us oddballs that enjoyed the challenge. Our reward was a level of self-discovery that became life-changing. Besides bodybuilding, there was the fitness division. If you are over 40, you might remember seeing the fitness division on regular ESPN television. Imagine. Fitness was mainstream. It was broadcasted so the regular family could watch and be entertained by it. 
These competitions were much more mainstream. Fitness was a huge deal, too, and there were actual exercise programs on TV that you could follow along and do from home. Back then, you didn't have to be an Olympic-level gymnast to win a show either. In fact, people with zero gymnastic backgrounds won many times. I even had this crazy dream that someday I was going to do a fitness routine to the theme song for the movie Flashdance. Now, fast forward 20-plus years, and the female bodybuilding division is tiny. Many shows have maybe one entry, maybe two. Some federations like the OCB got rid of it completely and just have the physique division. The IFBB removed the pro division from the Olympia only to bring it back a couple years ago after private support and a new owner brought it back to life on the pro level. Fitness, you can't find that division pretty much anywhere on a large scale except the IFBB where you find the same fitness girls that have been competing for the past 10 years plus. You aren't seeing very many new additions to this division at all. Most of the local shows don't even offer the fitness division because there is no demand for it anymore. There is no demand for it because if you watch the fitness routines in the IFBB, you will see that the level of difficulty and the gymnastic skills that these girls have is just far greater than what is achievable for the masses. It's definitely incredible to watch, but not achievable for the masses. The only other federation that has a history of the fitness division on a large scale is the Fitness Universe Federation. Their presence has moved to a much more international presence, so you don't see a lot of people posting about it here in the U.S. I will be at one of the few large U.S. shows for this federation in Hollywood coming up, so I'll let you know how the fitness division looks there today. It's been a minute since I've been to one of their big shows. I give you all of this background so you can understand the evolution of the industry and why I am frustrated with it today, especially after what happened this past weekend. In fact, I'm going to give you even more context before I dive into the events from this past weekend. I'm going to share with you five things wrong with bodybuilding today that has created a very dangerous environment and then share what happened this weekend. For one, Bodybuilding was originally an exclusive sport, and you really needed to know someone and get a referral in order to find a coach that understood what it takes to help you prepare for a show. That hasn't changed. Today, bodybuilding coaching and finding out about bodybuilding shows to begin with are still built by referral, except what has changed is the who people are getting referred to. It's no longer exclusive. There is a reason for this, and I'll get to it in number two coming up. No longer is there a small circle of coaches that work with people. It's literally a free-for-all today with tons and tons of coaches with the smoke and mirrors of their social media profiles as their only credentials. And since bodybuilding is still a word-of-mouth sport, the level of trust is much greater when someone is referred a coach. Think about it. No matter what industry we are talking about, if you are given a referral by someone you respect and trust, you automatically feel a level of comfort with that person. If so-and-so says this person is awesome and has worked wonders for them, you're going to feel differently making that call to connect than you would a cold call from an ad. So trust has become a problem because I think a lot of people don't question as much as they should the protocols they are given. They put more trust and faith into their coach because this person came from a referral or maybe you know him or her from seeing them work with others at your gym. So there's that crowd psychology that happens too. And for financial motives, mass marketing, 
you guys, has overcomplicated weight loss, nutrition, and exercise. Am I right? And they made it seem like this ridiculous undertaking that requires a special diet or workout in order to have any success with obtaining any kind of fitness goal. So now add the mystique of being a bodybuilder and wanting to achieve this mysterious and oh-so-fabulous stage look that is far beyond a regular weight loss transformation, and it becomes an impossible undertaking on your own. So you seek out a coach by referral and trust the process. And you should seek out a coach, but never stop questioning the process, especially if something seems off. The trust issue is across all federations. The big issue in drug-tested federations is trusting a coach who doesn't know what they are doing, and you agree to the 16 weeks of 800 calorie, two hours of cardio, no days off protocol to get ready for a show. The big issue in non-drug-tested federations is not just the diet and exercise protocol, but the nonchalant recommendation of various performance-enhancing drugs. Second, there has never been any regulation whatsoever on coaching practices, so the level of dangerous practices has escalated with no oversight. Coaching is a big popularity contest. Oh, I'm with Coach Awesomeness, and he's so incredible. Okay, what makes him incredible? The list of pro cards? All right, I'm going to come right out and say it. How many of those pro cards were achieved without PEDs? Are you even aware that many, if not most, of these girls are on PEDs to achieve those fast results? Remember my last episode with Dr. Mike T. Nelson about five stupid things competitors still do despite basic physiology saying otherwise? Dr. Mike has a PhD in exercise physiology, a master's in biomechanics, and he's a professor. He has been called in to share techniques, his techniques, with top government agencies. So Dr. Mike is good enough for the government, but not for the popularity contest that has become coaching and bodybuilding? The information Dr. Mike shared on that podcast was priceless. But get this, we have like a thousand listens to that episode. While the podcasts that are all about gossip on who Chris Bumstead's new coach is, they're going to get the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of views collectively. So coaches like Mike don't get the visibility, and the parade of bro science coaches continues to march on. The third thing wrong with bodybuilding is not the new divisions themselves, but what has happened since the addition of new divisions to non-drug-tested federations that do not require the amount of time to build muscle. And this is the case among all federations, too. Bodybuilding is a sport that has evolved into one where you no longer need the years of preparation to be competitive. I've seen girls who, no joke, started formal exercise for the first time in their life and within six months won a pro card. A pro card. The same accolade that a bodybuilder with 10 to 20 years of lifting walks home with. And in many federations, the same amount of prize money, too. I'm not talking down on any division. I'm talking complete facts and truth with no sugarcoating about what is happening in the sport. You want to know the truth? That's what you're going to get here on this show. No bubblegum talk about how everything and everyone is inspiring. There are plenty of inspiring stories and inspiring people. But the fact that this industry has become a major business that attracts anyone with a physique transformation is a fact. Which leads me to the fourth thing wrong in this sport, which is that it has become a big business. More divisions with different levels of muscle requirements means more people able to compete, which means more registrations, which also means more audience tickets, and from a coaching standpoint means more pro card opportunities, which also means more client pro cards to use as credentials in their social media profiles. There are coaches that if you look to see what their formal education is that makes them qualified to coach others, you will often see two things. One, they competed, maybe even a pro. And two, the number of pro card wins their clients have won in total. That's it for credentials. 
you might find someone with a nutrition certification or a personal training certification too. Bonus points if there's additional degrees, but not a requirement. One coach in particular that coaches a lot of IFBB pros, I looked for credentials beyond pro card wins and couldn't find any. One coach that worked with a couple of my posing clients, preparing them for a drug-tested show, he put them on extreme diets. I looked up his credentials. He's got none except a personal training certificate. And the fifth thing wrong is that the physiques rewarded in the divisions like bikini and men's physique that were originally developed in bodybuilding style, non-drug-tested federations, to display just a foundation of muscle, a healthy appearance, a more hot-on-the-beach look, has evolved over the past five years in particular to favor a much leaner and more muscular physique. If you are new to bodybuilding, you might think that these divisions started in federations like the NPC. Guess what? They didn't. Bikini and model, like men and women's divisions, they started in places like the Fitness Universe Federation, which, as you might recall from what I said earlier, was a mainstream federation you could watch on TV. It wasn't a bodybuilding-driven federation, and there were no such things as pro cards. The judging was done by modeling agencies, photographers, and other people in those kind of industries. You didn't win a pro card. No, instead you won magazine covers, modeling contracts, and worldwide exposure. This federation never had a medic on standby for dehydration. There was a medic in case someone got hurt in a fitness routine, but that's it. The look of bikini and men's modeling and even figure and the more muscular men's divisions was always healthy, and the judging factored in marketability, which is why even today, although this federation is more popular overseas than in the U.S., it's still alive and maintains a healthy and achievable look. And still no medic on staff for dehydration. I'm talking about the changes to the look rewarded to the bikini, men's physique, and figure divisions in the other federations that are judged with a bodybuilding focus. Fitness Universe has been around for like 40 years, and these issues were never present. It's the bodybuilding-driven federations where the issues have come up. Bikini, men's physique, wellness figure, they all still have achievable looks in the drug test of federations like OCB, WNBF, INBA, and such. In non-drug-tested federations, it's not so obvious. Although today's rewarded look is more muscular and leaner than when these divisions were introduced, the physiques are still achievable without PEDs. Maybe not most figure in the NPC or men's physique in the IFBB, or even figure in the WBFF for that matter. And pro bikini in the IFBB is definitely becoming harder and more unobtainable. Don't even get me started on the new wellness division. I can't even believe how much more muscular and shredded this division has got in the past year alone. So the look is still possible in maybe bikini. And on a local amateur stage, not national or pro, I'm talking across all divisions, but the time to achieve these looks is the conversation I want to have. All of these divisions are no longer entry-level divisions like they were at their inception. The look of today would normally require a few years of training to build the muscle. Figure in men's physique, much more than that and a lot of pain tolerance to achieve the level of leanness rewarded. But there is a major disconnect because what's being promoted on social media by coaches are these drastic transformations in a short amount of time. And the elephant in the room is that to accomplish this, people are being encouraged to use PEDs and making it seem like they're no big deal. In fact, many of these transformations wouldn't be possible so quickly without PED use. Not because the look is unobtainable, it's the time it would take to achieve them without PEDs. Muscle takes time to build. Women's lower bodies don't just erase fat magically. No mention of PED use. None. Just the pro card wins. Many don't want to wait a few years to be competitive when they see their friend do one show and win, since again, this sport has become perceived as achievable for everyone. But no one's talking about this. 
Instead, I was listening to a podcast recently where the coach literally said to his audience that you can compete naturally, but competing enhanced makes the process less difficult. So basically, the reason a woman should use anabolics and hormone-adjusting concoctions is so her prep can be easier? I can't even with this crap, you guys. Remember what I said earlier about bodybuilding and how exclusive it was because not everyone could do it? Well, now you have coaches that say the reason to take things that are potentially body-altering is because it will make bodybuilding easier. And my favorite bro science line is the fake reassurance that what they are given is super mild, so it's no big deal. guys. No amount of PED use is without some sort of potential sides. And some of these sides you will be living with for the rest of your life. You are, not your coach. If you know this and don't care, that's fine. I'm not talking to those of you who have lifted for 10 to 30 years and understand the pros and cons of PED use and choose to go that route fully educated and feeling good about your decision. Even Victor Black, who was my recent guest expert on PEDs, also says to get to your genetic potential first before you even consider PED use. So I'm not talking to you that are in the know except to ask you to share this message I'm sending out to the bodybuilding industry. Let's find those men and women who really need to hear this message. Which leads me to this past weekend and what happened. I was at a local bodybuilding show and six women were treated for dehydration and it was suspected to be due to the use of diuretics. They were all women, all newer competitors. Again, local show, you guys. One was even sent to the hospital. Apparently, this woman was treated at first, brought back to adequate hydration levels, only for her coach to give her another diuretic, which then resulted in her being sent to the hospital. <sighs> I thought to myself that I... I wonder if she died, who would be held responsible? Probably not her coach because she willingly took that pill. In fact, there are coaches in this industry who have had a few client deaths under their supervision. A few. They still have a long book of business. The information spread for like five seconds about these deaths, and it died itself because of majorly life-changing information like Chris Bumstead getting a new coach. So let's review what I said earlier about the five things wrong with this sport. And then you can decide for yourself who's at fault. First, the trust issue. Coach was trusted, clearly because she took not one, but two pills, even after she was treated for dehydration. Whose fault was that? It's not so obvious, is it? Second, there is no regulation in coaching practices, so the perception of there being a magic peak week protocol runs rampant in our sport when true scientists like Dr. Guillermo Escalante, who was a guest here recently, said it himself that no one needs a diuretic and instead just needs to get leaner. So general acceptance of peak week protocols is a thing in our sport. Third, new divisions created a new sport where competing is achievable for anyone. I think bodybuilding is now a new sport. It's not for the exclusive anymore. In fact, I saw a girl drunk and high and rolling around on the floor, no kidding, backstage, at the same show where the six girls were treated for dehydration. Not so unexclusive, is it, you guys? Fourth, bodybuilding is a business. So more divisions, more competitors means more coaching and attendance opportunities. Do one show and you can now make money being a coach because there's enough competitors to go around and the social media pictures and follower count provide all the credibility you need. So there is a lot more money pushing attendance at shows, an abundance of posing clinics, and a lot more coaches promoting their services. It's now big business attracting more eyes and interest, not quality, just more eyes and interest. The fifth is the level of leanness. I was taken back by the level of leanness of competitors at this local amateur show. 
The stakes have gotten higher in divisions that weren't originally designed to be that shredded. And from experience, I know that getting shredded requires a level of discomfort mentally and physically. Not everyone can handle that. And it's not going to change. I was talking to a head judge in the IFBB recently and asked about the leanness. They like lean and muscle. So there's no turning back. So where do we go from here? I really don't know. I know that the world of bodybuilding is still a subculture, so a lot of things easily get swept under the rug, and that even deaths don't change anything. Opposing client of mine did her first show in Canada over the summer, and at that show, someone actually died. Didn't see any posts about it anywhere. Nothing on the national news either. Did a Google search and found no coverage of it either. Bodybuilding isn't all bad. I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly here on the show, and this topic is one of those ugly ones. It's a heavy one. I get it. But bodybuilding has transformed me mentally, physically, and I have had the privilege to help men and women find the superstar within and bring it out on stage at their shows. I'm working with a a male bodybuilder that is about to turn 75, and he told me recently that from working with me, he has discovered things about himself he never knew, and he has never felt so confident on stage before. I love the self-discovery and the continuous self-improvement that happens with bodybuilding. I don't like seeing people make bad decisions with lifelong consequences that were preventable. I don't like seeing people build poor relationships with their body, mind, and self-love. And I don't like seeing people's trust get taken advantage of. The only thing I can do besides work with people one-on-one or with my classes at learntopose.com is bring these conversations forward and try to reach the masses. I will continue to real talk with you all here and ask you guys to share it. I'm glad you're listening and enjoying the messages, but we need to get these messages out to the masses so we can bypass the word of mouth information. If everyone shared this episode somewhere, a group, to a friend, anything, that, that's going to help. I'm creating a mass consolidation of information here on this show so that it will be a one-stop resource for any competitor, male or female, no matter what level, what division, what federation you compete in. Our industry is divided. Many federations have the attitude that if you aren't with us, you are against us too, which doesn't help. I almost couldn't have a booth, you guys, for my posing business at a show because I teach and judge for other federations. I was told at first that the federation only allowed those who are part of the federation in exclusivity to be a part of their shows. And I was a paying customer promoting my personal business that helps me make a living. This word-of-mouth attitude about one federation being better than others is all across our industry. Don't you see how divided this makes our industry and how it affects how information is spread? If you are being told these are the only coaches to listen to, these are the only shows to consider doing, you are not welcome here if you aren't a part of our federation. Don't you see how that creates a bubble around someone new to competing that keeps them from hearing other perspectives that might be better for them or help them? And do you see how valuable information will only continue to be segmented and not issued to people across all federations unless it breaks these industry bubbles and people see the sport as a whole? I am partial to no federation because a bodybuilder, in my eyes, is a bodybuilder, no matter where he or she competes. And I've competed in six federations, coached for pretty much all of them, and coming up, I will have judged for three of them. So my experience and view on the industry is going to be a lot different than the person that only competes, cares about, or allows their competitors to compete in one federation or only teaches one division, and only women, or only men. And my perspective will be without the industry popularity contest nonsense. You will continue to learn the good, the bad, and the ugly across all federations, and I will not sugarcoat the truth to make friends. As an athlete, 
Wouldn't you want to know all your options? Wouldn't you want to know the dangers, the warning signs, the pros, the cons, and things of such when you are pursuing something that could legit harm you? Or things that could help you become freaking awesome in the sport, like super successful without the harm to your health? On a side note, at a recent show, it was an eye-opener. How many people shunned the flyers with info on my posing business, LearnToPose.com, we handed out. It's cool, I get it, that not everyone wants help, and I'm not trying to say if you didn't grab a flyer, you're a dick. I'm talking about the attitudes we got and how those were more surprising than anything. The attitude like they didn't even want to consider another perspective. Hand up, talk to the hand. Why this doesn't make sense to me is that bodybuilding is an individual sport, not a team sport, so improvement should be self-motivated, don't you think? Let me give you a comparison to think about. As you might recall, in addition to my professional posing business for all divisions and federations, I've been a real estate broker and agent for 17 going on 18 years. I remember going to real estate conventions and everyone there was wearing the colors of their real estate firm and proudly stating what company they're with. But everyone stopped at booths to hear about how they, as an individual, can get better at real estate. Everyone. Well, why? Well, there's money involved with real estate. These realtors didn't say, well, my real estate firm knows everything, so I don't need to hear anything more about what I can do to improve. No, they were hungry to improve because they're hungry to make money. Real estate is also in an individual profession where you are a part of a company, but you are your own business within it. Like in bodybuilding, you can be a part of a team, but at the end of the day, it's not a team sport. Similar. Your trophies are stored in your home. If you earn prize money, you take it home. So to be successful in real estate, which is also, like bodybuilding, a word-of-mouth industry... You are heavily reliant on referrals. Don't you see how similar this is? Here's where the similarities end. In real estate, you can make a lot of money if you learn new tactics and strategies. In bodybuilding, will you earn more money if you hear a new perspective? Nope. In fact, you might earn zero money your entire career in bodybuilding. Many of these famed pros who won these all these shows, they're broke. Unlike in real estate, you really don't earn money at all in bodybuilding. Instead, you spend a hell of a lot and walk away with a plastic trophy, a line item in your social media profile, and supermarket flowers, as my friend Kim says. My goal in all of this is for you to not end up on a hospital gurney rushed to the hospital for something preventable, to not make decisions you will regret for the rest of your life, to not get caught up in the high school popularity show, and focus on doing what's best for you. I want you to walk away with self-love, confidence, and looking and feeling like a champion. I need your help to spread the word. All right, guys, I think that's enough of a rant for today, don't you think? Thank you again for listening. I have a really great new series that I'm starting beginning next week where I am profiling each of the federations one episode at a time. I think you guys are really going to love this. My first interview for this new series, I'm telling you, will not disappoint. In the meantime, head on over to learntopose.com if you want a free assessment on your posing and a roadmap on how to get better and, dare I say, awesome at it. It's free, so head on over. And as always, please share this podcast in all of your Facebook groups and all of your friends so we can get the word out there. I appreciate you very much, and I will talk to you again soon. Ever wonder if you are posing correctly for your division? Learn to Pose is dedicated to taking out the guesswork on how to pose for all categories in bodybuilding. Learn five ways you can improve your posing skills in five minutes guaranteed at www.learntopose.com. There are free posing tutorials available for the bikini, figure, and men's physique categories. More on the way for other divisions in bodybuilding. It's free, so go access your free posing tutorial for bikini, figure, or men's physique at learntopose.com.